When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to DNF. This is the greatest F1 podcast in the world. You already knew that. It's not because of me, Spencer Hall. Uh, it's because I get to talk to this person every week, Jessica Smetana, the real expert here. Hi, Jessica. How are we doing? That was too nice. Let's start over. No, no. <laughs> we, we have to listen. This is like if you this is like if you stall out on the grid. We just have to keep going. You just have to keep unless you're Lewis Hamilton, because then you get a special role model clause and you'll get in worse trouble. The uh the the ladies race, the developmental race, uh on Saturday, I believe it was, had a stall out. Just like I haven't seen that in a while, but in Austin, just one of the cars just decided it was night night. Aww. Time for night night did not go. And I thought that would be me. I would totally. I yeah. Yeah. I would. That, that's like every. I, that, I've had like the live meme thought where I looked at it and I was like, Monday. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> that was like there. what could have happened to Charles Leclerc because I read that he was on painkillers during this race, Spencer, because he had a tooth <laughs> infection, which seems oh, like God. I hope it was just ibuprofen, but I can't fathom driving a Formula One car on painkillers. This is um, I say that I can, but that probably doesn't speak well to some decisions I made in my 20s. <laughs> Certainly not. Um, this is also doesn't do anything to. Uh, complicate my understanding that these are some of these are very rich lads and that they do nothing but eat Toblerone 
and <laughs> chocolate and do the things that you would do if you had been raised fabulously wealthy and decided to become an F1 driver. Like food's not real, right? You're just like, oh, I can yeah. eat whatever. The, the mini Toblerones in the duty-free section of the airport are unequivocally the best small snack you can buy in, in the whole travel game. Um, I'm assuming that their private jets probably don't, you know, force them to walk through the regular people terminals. But yeah, I think Toblerone sounds right. He said it might be his wisdom uh, tooth, which makes me wonder if they extract wisdom teeth uh, like they do in the United States in Monaco, um, because I have long held, long believed that wisdom teeth extractions are just an American scam. So perhaps not. Maybe not. I guarantee you a couple of things. If they are done in Monaco, it will be on the fluffiest bed with the <laughs> softest pillows and with only the most powerful sedatives. Bed. Right. Like <laughs> you'll probably wake up and be like, I'm a better person. I feel mm -hmm. much better now without these teeth in my head. Um, did you watch the race? I did watch the race. You Excellent. were at the race. Doug I was, was at the race. Doug, Doug was at the race. Um, I, I believe it was his first time in Austin for the GP. It is, in my mind, the best track of the three that we have uh, in North America. I say that sight unseen for Vegas, but we can talk about that in a second because uh, some people have started running the track, maybe virtually, maybe maybe in a very casual fashion, but but there are some test runs we can talk about. But um, this was a fairly interesting race. Like, like I think for this point in the season where we already have an established champion and we have a general idea of how things are going to go, Still, I think, a, a lively enough race to keep me entertained for much of it. It was a really, I thought, competitive race among the front runners. Um, we, we should talk about how Mercedes kind of blew it because I thought they actually had a chance to win this if they had stuck to their guns and done a two-stop and not done like this middle, middle ground like long stint to attempt to do one stop. Um, but... It was not without its drama in that after the race, we found out that Lewis and Charles Leclerc both were disqualified, um, which is sets up a whole lot of questions and a whole lot of controversy about the plank regulations and how they're choosing which cars to test. And mm -hmm. if more cars had potentially been you know, disqualified, had they been checked? Um, so yeah, I thought the race itself was really, really fun and interesting. I'm with you. I think the track is great. I love the different changes in altitude. The like the first turn kind of goes up a hill and curves to the right, um, which is a really cool turn. Um, I think the sight lines from like the helicopter are just awesome in Austin. Like you can see so much and it looks so on a clear day like they had on Sunday. It's such it's such a like aesthetically pleasing race view, um, which I really like. But we also had Spencer our first Logan Sargent points of the season, which which we need to uh, discuss much about. So yeah, I thought it was great. This is this is part of the Carlos Sainz get a normal podium challenge. <laughs> I, I refuse. <laughs> Poor no. Carlos. <laughs> I love Carlos Sainz a lot. <laughs> I honestly, my, maybe my favorite part of the race was Max Verstappen's radio messages, but we'll talk about that too. <laughs> yeah, we can. Max was Max was as irate as a standing champion competing in. The season in which he had won that championship, his third in a row, yeah, uh, could be. So the story we need to talk about is you said that, you know, hey, really, Mercedes kind of blew it. Okay, uh, 
like points deducted for Mercedes to start with because if we get on Ferrari's ass about being Ferrari, I feel like technically we don't give enough of that same flack to Mercedes, right? Both for completely missing on the engineering for several years in a row on a model that they ultimately had to give up on uh, and then have spent the rest of the time kind of patching, but also for the pit strategy, but also for failing the ride height test. This was, if you want to know why, in the end, um, it was Leclerc and Hamilton both disqualified for ride height. Car too low. Car too low. It has to have, uh, if you just to get through all the technical regulations, car too low, uh, failed the test for ride height, and both uh, ultimately disqualified after the race. In you know, it's always anticlimactic when that happens. And it's so but, annoying. It's such a Formula One thing. It's like, oh, the Super Bowl's over, and in four hours you'll find out if the results stand. It's like, no. <laughs> Tell right. me now. Tell me now. Measure it right now. Pull out the plank <laughs> or the ruler, whatever it well, is. <laughs> why are we why are we, why doing, are we this? doing this now? Right? Yeah. Why why do we have park fair where everything's closed and you can't work on the car, right? Like why there are so many little technical details that I know drive people absolutely insane. There has to be a better way, in a simpler way to do this where we're not taking somebody post-race and ha- taking their nice day and saying, by the way, none of that counted. None of that. It's absurd to me. So sad, too bad. So yeah, they tested four cars for the plank violations. Half of the cars, meaning two of the four, Leclerc and Hamilton's, came back as being too low. As we know, the the car being lower to the ground can create better performance for the car, but also might pose a safety issue. So the FIA mandates that this plank that's at the on the bottom of the car has to be 10 millimeters deep or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was talking about this with my other podcast co-host, Mike Golick, today, and he said that if you want to fall asleep, read about the plank regulations on the Formula One cards, uh, on the Formula One cars. So uh, I think we should leave it at that because it does get very, (laughs) very tedious the more you read about it. (laughs) We should be, we should be clear, by the way, this plank, which is part of the, you know, part of the regulations, this plank is no longer made of wood. We do not literally mean a two by four on the bottom of the car. At one point we did, but that is no longer the case. Yeah, what is it made out of now? It's, it's made I, out of some terrifying composite. Okay, that's what right. It's, made of. it's really good for the environment. I'm I'm certain. But I think what's interesting and like you know, we've been talking all season about the sprint format is that Mercedes and Ferrari both were conceded like, yeah, like we're disappointed and we know that these are the rules, but we don't get more time to set up the car when we have a sprint race weekend because basically you know after the first practice like you're set like you can't change anything so this is a maybe a factor that is a direct result of the race weekend being set up the way it is and had more cars been tested it might have actually affected a lot more drivers and probably drivers that ended up finishing very well and getting points because lewis (laughs) and charles were disqualified yeah, and by the way, you only get it, it's difficult to make sure that you've got ride height right in a sprint weekend because you only have one practice session. Yeah. That's it. You get one practice session and then your settings are pretty much locked in. Yeah. So I am very disappointed as well as a fan. Um, I guess it wouldn't have mattered 
So like I, I we kind of already talked about the Mercedes strategy decision, and you're right. Like they should get as much flack as Ferrari is getting because they have screwed up a number of times this year on yeah. pitting, and like there's been a lot of back and forth between the drivers and the engineers about tire degradation and like should we do this and should we do that, and it just doesn't seem like they have the same like you know the same like quality of strategists that like Red Bull has had every single week for Max Verstappen. Right. Where, like they're very sure of what they're doing. Um, and he's very direct in swearing at them when it's wrong. Um, so it is a bummer, but it would have been worse had Lewis won and then gotten disqualified afterwards. Right. This is going back to <laughs> you, this is going back to, you know, you saying that Mercedes really deserves some flack for messing up the pit strategy. And I go, well, I'm kind of glad that we didn't have to have that discussion because then we would have said, oh, disqualified anyway. So all yeah. of that for naught. It would have been a mistake on top of a mistake, you know, that would have looked even worse. So maybe it's good. Maybe it's good that Hamilton, Hamilton, by the way, fantastic effort, managed to be right there, was uh, was extremely competitive with Verstappen toward the end of the race. I think the general take was, hey, you know, if there'd been a fifth quarter, we would have won this game. If there'd been another five laps, this would have been a real race. On the flip side of that, I thought this was the best Verstappen in-race performance because he did such a good job managing a car whose brakes for the last 10 laps or so, uh, 15 laps or so, were completely trashed. Oh, yeah. And he was, I, I think the highlight of the race was definitely listening to him scream at um, his engineer, Lambiasi, on the radio. He was saying, mate, these brakes are so shit compared to yesterday. What a piece of shit. And then <laughs> Lambiasi mm -hmm. replied, understood. And then he said... Um, please stop talking to me. I'm in the breaking. Stop talking. I'm in the breaking, man. Like screaming at him. Like you should go listen to this if you haven't heard it because the way he yells is so funny. Um, and then at the end, his engineer said, well done. Enjoy the celebrations and I'll see you on Friday. To which a lot of people were like, wow, they're not even going to like chit chat after the race. But I think Red Bull was like, oh, you had to catch a flight. Okay, sure. Like whatever. Um, so yeah. really, really difficult race for max like you said his brakes like weren't working he was really struggling mm -hmm. had they had a few more laps maybe lewis would have caught up but i also think lewis had every opportunity to like sh shave some time in between had they pitted him a little bit sooner yeah i i think that looking down the roster of people who ended up having better days than i think people anticipated hey it, 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 listen if if it falls off the back of the pork wagon, it's still a free sausage, okay? Congratulations to Williams for actually getting points. Uh, That's a both great saying. I need to both, steal that. Yeah, both for Albon and for, yes, number 10, Logan Sargent. Logan Sargent finally gets a point as an F1 driver. Congratulations to the second most American driver on the grid this week, remember first, as always, actual American, Daniel Ricardo. I don't really care what his passport says. That dude is a Yankee through and through. If um if Daniel Ricardo so he wore a Quinn Ewers jersey to the race, if Houston had one, would he have worn a Donovan a Donovan Smith jersey, do you think, to the <laughs> to the USGP? I think so. By the way, doing <laughs> that doing that uh, doing that on a weekend, we can go ahead and establish, of course, the the quarterback whose jersey he wore was injured in yeah. the game on Saturday. So um, I'm not quite sure what the chronological order of wearing the jersey or the game was, but let's just go ahead and say there's a college football curse associated there. Be careful. 100%. What, be careful what gear you don. 
<laughs> um, there's a little inside uh, inside college football for you. But yeah, uh, love to see Ricardo back. He, I feel like he timed his injury rehab out so he could be back for this race. Correct. Um, he looked fantastic having the time of his life. Uh, we have a question going back to Max's radio call um, mm-hmm. or radio conversation that was uh, from Trevor, if the hypothetical in the hypothetical Jessica versus Max Miami Honda Accord Grand Prix, could Jessica field phone calls while braking? Buddy, I'm not driving unless I'm talking. So that is a absolute no brainer. If I'm in the car, I'm on the phone. Not why well, not hands free. All right. Hands free, of course, but I'm on the phone. So, yes. That- yeah. You know, studies have found that it's the conversation that's distracting, not the hands. Right. I have not read those studies. Please send them to me. I will. Yeah, 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 I will. I will peer them. review them. <laughs> I will send them. I will send them post haste. This does nothing. This does nothing to the Jessica has been driving in Miami for longer than six months and is constantly talking the phone. I'm going to assume <laughs> you've killed three people uh, without even knowing it. They're just iguanas, Spencer. They're not. That's <laughs> the I've killed three don't. iguanas. They don't thump like that. They really don't. <laughs> iguanas don't say, "Ow, why did you hit me with your car?" you're not hitting iguanas you're not trying anyways iguanas are invasive you should capture and kill them um just kidding don't do don't do that <laughs> known iguana hater jessica's <laughs> matana god totally um, kidding do not hurt animals um but yeah anywho what where were we <laughs> uh we were also there? we were also at this that there was a uh, a couple of other real stakes from this uh sergio Perez, i thought um had a very strong performance that he badly needed uh, by ending up finishing fourth. Uh, this is not only positioning himself well for the stretch to finish uh, second in the driver's points, it's also a little bit of proof to Red Bull that, yes, um, even with bad track position, this man can still get it done. Uh, that is very much a situation still up in the air and in flux. If you would like to make solid bets about Red Bull's decisions on number two drivers, I also invite you to invest in futures in flood insurance in Florida and other risky ventures because uh, evidently you just like betting on things that no one knows the answer to. We have an, um, another question that I wanted to ask you about, Spencer, because you were there. Like mm-hmm. you, you got to see this all in person. Um, there was a a booing controversy after the race so Verstappen wins it's his 50th career Formula One race um I don't think he's like and he had a lot of fans there last year I will say but you know I don't think he's like the favorite in in Austin like he's, it's no. not like it's his home race so he was on the podium and people were booing either him or the governor of Texas Greg Abbott um so what was your interpretation of all that because I saw some Formula One uh non-US citizens like scolding the fans for booing. Um, in which case I would say do not put a Grand Prix in Philadelphia because you guys will not no. like that. They'll boo everybody. That's that won't have anything to do with <laughs> outcomes or anything. That's just a greeting. Uh, that was for Greg Abbott. Okay. Like and I and I was not at the trophy presentation, but the people I know who were, most of that booing directed towards Greg Abbott. There may have been some Checo fans who overwhelmed by mm. overwhelmed by Max Verstappen somehow yet winning again a Formula One race this year. I think it was mostly for Craig Abbott. That's that's that that's what that's what my my judgment would be. And uh, personally, yeah, I, I don't really care if you 
that's the governor. You should always boo the governor. I don't care who they are. Well, boo. we have a we have a long tradition in sports of booing any head of any, any politician. And well, any politician certainly, but like Roger Goodell, Gary Bettman, like every commissioner gets booed. That's that's what we do in the states. So yeah, this may be this may we may have to translate this for the international listener. Uh, we go and boo you, okay. <laughs> Especially if you're if you're in a position of power and you walk out there, it doesn't matter what margin you are elected by. Should we answer more questions? Yes, I would love to. Uh, from Laser Disc Repair, who on the grid hated eating food in Texas the most? So my initial thought was maybe Joe on you, but like I think he could hang when it comes to when it comes to ribs and barbecue and all that kind of stuff. My guess would be this. And we don't talk about this enough. I know the French are a celebrated culture in terms of their culinary achievements. I think this is largely a matter of, a, of them codifying it first and having a very definite way of doing things that became the standard for how to do things, right? For how to teach cooking, how to uh, illustrate a recipe, how to put things together, and they have a system. And that became very celebrated among all cooks. That is my way of saying that I don't think the French can tolerate spice much. And this goes even more than your English drivers, okay? So even a modicum of spice would be upsetting to the palate of a Pierre Gasly. I have a story about this. So I had a French exchange student in my high school days, and we took her to Chipotle. This was in like maybe 2008, 2009. Um, we took her to Chipotle, and we were like, this is like the best fast food casual food in the US like you're gonna love it we go here every day it's like the best oh my god she took one bite of it and she was like this is way too spicy and this uh -huh. is Chipotle like Chipotle is a it is not very spicy <laughs> so you know I think you have something there I do not think they like spicy food I don't know if mm -mm. they like kind of Tex-Mex style food Absolutely I don't know if not. they like really messy like barbecue either um I think I think you're right about that. My instinct was like maybe Lewis Hamilton because he's vegan and he doesn't eat meat and all of mm. the options in Texas are meat related. But I also we had Lando Norris on the Levitard show last week and I told him he should try breakfast tacos and he seemed very intrigued by those. So mm. I think he maybe would have liked it. But yes, I'm with you on on Gasly and Ocon maybe being like, what what is this? Is this too spicy? Like my French exchange student said. Yeah, yeah. Trop chaud. Oh, like I could see that. <laughs> if you've never seen the uh, the no reservations, where you have uh, Anthony Bourdain trying to kill Eric Repair, mm, that is a great episode. Yes, in Szechuan, that was my genesis for this because it was the first time I thought, oh, y'all don't even have that. Like even the British have a continual sort of like cultural touchstone for I have tasted a spice, which mm -hmm. is curry. Okay, now. Curry, a lot of the time, can just mean the mildest possible curry thrown over fried crap. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> You're still on base. You're still on board. The French, the French don't even have that. They don't even like, they don't even mess with it on that level. Their so, favorite spice is butter. Yeah. Yeah, your favorite. Yeah, exactly. They're like saffron. Occasionally, we make a special dish that has like an inch, a tiny little morsel of saffron. <laughs> and that's about as spicy as we get. So what I'm saying is this. France, step it up. Step it up. You yeah. Need, you need to do better. There was that whole day on Twitter a few months ago where people were arguing about if, if French food was good. We don't have to get into it, but, you know. Is it, it good? It happened. Yes. Is it is it Texas compatible? I would argue on so many <laughs> levels not, especially because the base cuisine for barbecue is German. 
Okay, so like if you want to get down to that, like at its root, Tex-Mex is built on cuisines that are basically like over the opposite side of the fence from French cuisine in so many ways. This was a great diversion into French cooking. Do you have a question about racing you would like to answer, Jessica? How about this one, Spencer? Which is a more which is more likely? Sargent keeps his seat or Andretti Cadillac gets added as an 11th team. So if you haven't been paying attention to the Andretti saga, I believe the FIA has said he can join Formula One. And now Formula One is like, I don't know about that. So I would say that is not very likely to happen anytime soon. Um, I would be surprised if Logan Sargent was back next year, but not that surprised because I think there is probably some sort of financial agreement for him with Williams. I don't know what that is. I hope that's not an unfair allegation, but I know that Formula One wants to have an American driver and, you know, Williams is, is not the most, um, most heavily sponsored of the, you know, cars. So, or of the teams, I should say. So I, I guess Logan Sargent is more likely to stay. What do you think, Spencer? Um, I, I want to take this out even a little larger, okay? Because saying that you know which teams will necessarily be driving in 2024, 2025 is becoming a riskier and riskier bet in general. There is some personal stuff between Andretti and Stefano Domenicali um, that if you think doesn't matter, you don't understand the rationale that people with money uh, exist under. Remember, if the money any. doesn't mean anything. Right. If the money doesn't exist, in, if the money doesn't matter, right, on, on a level of, okay, it's there or it's not, then it's all about your feelings, right? We are playing mm -hmm. feelings ball 100% here. So don't think that doesn't matter. It does, okay? Uh, you know, if, if Ben Sulliam says... This is from an AP article about it. If it's about the money, it's only about the money. That's what's personal. They don't want to share the money. Um, yeah, accurate, right? We yeah. want to do everything. We want to do everything to go ahead and maintain the exact uh, financial profile we have. For instance, you know, prior to like Mercedes, if Mercedes makes a hundred million in a year, that is a you know which they did okay um, for a couple of years now as to their sort of baseline profit as a team teams making profit for major corporations in the sport. That's a new thing. It mm -hmm. really is. The money has changed in terms of what it means to the teams, not just on the terms of the investment level, but in terms of the payout. Right. Yeah. So, so now once they've gotten a taste of that, they certainly don't want to dilute it. So if you're wondering like one of the main forces about teams coming in, it's going to be how much is this going to reduce our existing product and how much can we recoup on the TV end? This comes at a really bad time for F1 because at the time right now, after, you know, a the greatest season in, in F1 history, we've gotten kind of predictable again and we've gotten into these like sort of less dramatic seasons and there's going to be a lot of talk about how to make the sport more competitive when in fact it's a sport where there are these long like long stretches of dominance by single teams that have been punctuated by these chaotic great transitional years that sort of provide us with most of the competition this is my long way of saying um if you if you think that they won't let andretti in right um, you should look at what the funding and what for the other teams is and whether that's a solid, you know, take a look at Audi's current management debate, right? For, for one, when you look at whether we're going to necessarily see somebody for sure come into the sport. That's my way of hedging desperately here. Um, none of this is fixed yet. 
none of it. Yeah, I don't see an answer in sight. I mean, like you said, like they don't want to dilute the prize money. They they want his entry fee to be astronomical. And they also like they're competing a lot for American sponsorship dollars, right? Like they can really like they there's huge dollar signs here because we have all of these companies that are willing to slap their logos on anything. And you have an American company, American team that actually represents the US coming into the sport. That's, yeah. a, you know, that's a threat too. that's co more competition. Um, I do I think they would be better from like a competition standpoint if there was another team like yeah, I think it's probably more fun to have more cars on the grid. So I don't think that that's a bad thing. But I don't know if that translate direct translates directly into like more people watching. Like that's the that's what I think the Formula One teams and also Liberty Media are trying to calculate because yeah, like would would more Americans watch if you had Andretti in the sport? Like maybe some, but maybe they're also maybe. like maybe maybe not. Maybe we've kind of plateaued in the U.S. Like the most amount of people that are going to watch your sport are still watching it and we need to hang on to those folks and it's not going to grow very much more that this is just me hypothesizing based off of like some data that I've seen about, you know, fan engagement this year and things like that. I mean, that being said, like there were, I think 420,000 people that went to Austin this weekend for the race. So yeah. clearly like the events themselves are selling well. Um, but you know, you're you're always going to be battling for people's attention spans here because we have so many other sports already. And I don't know if Andretti joining like moves the needle in that in that sense. And if it's worth them, you know, giving up another huge chunk of their, you know, pie. Yeah, I don't I don't really know if it does to follow up on that um, for the 2026 re season. Allegedly, uh, Audi is still on board for entering as a team. This comes off the heels of numerous rumors that that because this deal was done by the pre the previous CEO, it's in trouble because there is a new CEO who is significantly less hot on the idea of spending a bunch of money to gear up an F1 team for Audi. Um, this was you were just saying significantly less hot. Like yes. he's just not hot at all. <laughs> it's just not. Yeah, no, he doesn't like the idea at all. And he's very unattractive. Uh, this had to be refuted earlier this week. Uh, there are, anytime you refute a rumor, of course, I instantly assume that it's true to some extent. Um, there is that. There is also, um, I've got a couple of other things. You want to, like, the, the things I heard this weekend that Ooh. just sort of piqued my interest in terms of the business end of F1. One that, uh, one side effect of, one side effect for a certain driver and a certain sponsor might be that, uh, that the money paid for teams that are consistently in the lead to the point of lack of drama could be upsetting hmm. because they don't get on camera. <laughs> so you don't <laughs> see the name of the sponsors <laughs> because you're that far out. Uh, I mean, that's that... a, there's two cars, but yes, I'm intrigued by it. <laughs> like this is where this is where you should have gotten the Nicholas Latifi endorsement where you go, I'm always going to be on camera, bro. Because you're gonna see me, I'm gonna hit the wall. Yep. You're right. I'm this is why Williams like... should have the most sponsorships. You will always be on the always TV. in the frame, man. Never pulling away. This is how Williams makes it back to the top. We take all that sponsorship money, pour it back into the car. They should be allowed to have as much of it as they can possibly <laughs> grab. Um, which I thought that was interesting. Another one was was yes, the attendance. Like as far as an event. Uh, the the Austin race is very much a success. It is, I think, the best fan experience um, 
that that I've seen in F1 racing. It has the best sight lines. It's the only one that has a 231 foot metal mullet in the middle. Uh, that that thing's can, terrifying. It is really terrifying. Did you go especially up there? When, uh, no, um, I've been up there, but I did not go up there this year. Um, it is especially when it's fogged up. It was fogged up on uh, on Sunday morning, and if you were up there, you just couldn't. It was just like oh being in no, the I nothing. hate that. It's it like sways in the wind. It's so scary. I went up there and I was too afraid to like look over the edge, and then I was like, there are people that quote unquote live in New York City in buildings that are like four times taller than this. I cannot imagine. Yeah. I didn't think I was scared of heights until yesterday, last year. Yes. The last business thing, though, um, is the Vegas race. Regarding the Vegas race and attendance and regarding the Vegas race and spending, I do think based on what everyone was talking about this weekend that Vegas really overcharged and set the price point way too high on this race and that they have failed to um, they have failed to attract the kind of racing fans especially from Europe who they thought might come over for a vacation that hasn't happened um, so the demand has been slack on the high end I don't know how they're going to necessarily make that up but I thought that was a problem from the start for this race because you know Vegas itself in terms of the overall price point you set there is a luxury high end but on the other end most of the people there are coming from Pomona baby like they are most of the people who go to Vegas, they are coming from uh, suburban California and its equivalent across the United States. It was always going to sort of be dragged down to the, toward that end, no matter what kind of a price point you set for, for F1. So if, in other words, the, the downside would be uh, that Formula One has its anxieties about whether they're going to sell this race as as at high a price point as they thought they were going to on your end, listener and viewer, Congratulations. There are probably deals out there if you want to go ahead and get in on this race because prices are falling. And I think yeah. you can, like, I, I, I've seen people getting, you know, hotel rooms for 200, 250 a night, which compared to what they were is astonishingly cheap. Uh, they were like, it looked like it would cost the average person thousands of dollars if, just to get like a standing room ticket and stay in Vegas. And you're right. Like, it, I've seen it go down further and further i i've always been like since they announced the vegas race like it seems like it was not like the best strategic timing to have the first miami race and then to announce the vegas race after that like it seems like you're attracting yeah. like almost the same type of client slash fan to both of those by having like they're both it just is if it's very confusing to me like it, it would have made sense i think for them to do a race in vegas or a race in miami um but having both like how at, how many people are there that are willing to spend that much money to go to a street circuit race that yeah you know it it just has always kind of confused me so that doesn't really surprise me that much i guess i'm curious like if the people you talk to other like reporters or fans or whoever were kind of apprehensive about what to expect in Vegas or if they think it's going to be, you know, a good race or a good time or if they're like, no, this is pretty much going to be a shit show. I, I think on the whole, the vibe I got in talking to people who are um, in and around the sport constantly was one of, of just looking forward to the spectacle without necessarily evaluating it as a commercial success or a a success as an event. I, I think there's a lot of question marks 
Um, the potential, obviously, as a television event is still really high. Yeah. You know, uh, but as an in-person event. Well, actually, um, I'm, I'm curious, like, what the television hmm. event will be like because it's going to be at, you know, 1 a.m. on the East Coast in the U.S., yeah. which is where the majority of people in the U.S. live. Well, I think they were hoping to bookend it. So I think they were hoping to get uh, saying, okay, well, what's the best time to balance our continental audience with our global audience, with our American audience? And mm -hmm. the the gap that they shot here was, yeah, okay, 1 a.m. on the East Coast, but we'll hit breakfast, right? We'll hit breakfast over in England and everybody waking up can go ahead and watch the race there on the continent. And then... Um, the West Coast will still be up. This will be the late night event for LA for the entire sort of, uh, you know, Pacific time zone set. So I think that was the gap they shot. I don't think it's an easy one to hit in terms of an ideal timing. Um, I think that the decision to kind of write the East Coast out was maybe poorly done. I don't really agree with that. I think like if you want to get most of the American market, that Central and Eastern time zone, that's especially in terms of sports viewing. Oh, man. Like, yeah. especially in terms of sports viewing, those are the people who care most. So I, I think for the American market, it may not have been the greatest call. But general sort of, I guess, excitement, a little bit of apprehension, and uh, I think a deep skepticism as to whether it's going to be a commercial success for not just F1, but a lot of its partners who are involved. Remember, there's a 10-year window to do this race, a 10-year window. Only two of them, I believe, are guaranteed by contract, right? So there's two. Mm. It'll be interesting, the evaluation post-race as to whether they want to continue to do it after two. I think there would be, there's got to be some tweaking on the front end in terms of ticket prices, packaging, limiting access, et cetera, because that's been the source of a lot of the apprehension on the part of F1 about it. Interesting. All right. We, we should answer a couple more questions. Um does Lance even want to be here anymore from Shacker? Um, I mean, does he need to be? He doesn't. He's rich. Um, he certainly doesn't seem happy, you know? And seeing him and his kind of general demeanor around the track, I don't know if anything's changed, and that might be the issue. He's the same dude, right? Same sort of like, same sort of attitude doesn't really... It's very hard to say that somebody doesn't want to be there, but I don't know if it's as ecstatic an experience as it might have once was for him. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like a humongous bummer of a year if you're him. Yeah. I don't know I how mean, else for, to put it. Just for Aston generally, like I think that they're still, this year is a success for them, but after their initial splash, that was what they had. They didn't have any further moves. And McLaren's ascendance in the second half of the season, you know, over the last eight races, they have been the second best team in terms of uh, performance. You know, I don't think that's been fun either. And the constant there for Aston Martin, when you go, well, what's been the consistency? You're like, well, the consistency has been Lance Stroll being kind of mid. You know, this is probably as good as he'll be with Aston Martin and maybe as good as he's going to get in terms of being an F1 driver. And he'll still be overshadowed by Fernando Alonso's performance. So, yeah. If you say, do I know whether he wants to be there anymore? What what else is he going to do? You know, that's, <laughs> that's, what, else? What, what other hobbies has he got? Because he might want to develop them. We also face the impossible situation of, do we have somebody firing their own son? That won't happen. I just, 
It goes it goes against the entire purpose of being rich for that to happen. I don't see it as ever happening. Alonso will leave before Lance Stroll does. Yeah. Um, one more question, I think. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about from Austin. Um, how funny would it be if instead of fixing the FIA, we went the other way and the NFL announced on Sunday that at like 8 on Eastern, eight a.m. Eastern, that the Cardinals actually won the game earlier that day on a technicality. I mean, this is kind of what I was saying earlier. Like, it is, <sighs> yeah. I, I understand why it is the way that it is. Like, I understand that you can't, uh, I guess you can't know this information in real time. It, it is like the NFL, though, in that, like, they still use chains to measure things. And, like, there was a, you know, the Steelers-Rams game this weekend where the also the other pit game this weekend pittsburgh fans the you lost one first down and you got one back the next day good for you guys um yeah. the game ended on like a questionable first down spot both games basically hinged on on that and like why we're not using like you know var technology for stuff like that is a is baffling to me and this is kind of like the you know i guess you could call it charm of the fia is that they're still kind of mm -hmm. doing things like this too and call like just making up things as they go. Like the Lewis Hamilton Qatar thing is baffling to me that they they would change his punishment because of like a made up like role model clause that they're inventing that week because it's Lewis yeah. and, and he did something dangerous that other people at home might imitate. Like that's absolutely baffling and strange and, and weird. Um, and like also not the first time they've kind of targeted Lewis Hamilton and some nope. sort of, you know, like we had Jewelry Gate last year where he wore his his watches to the Miami Grand Prix uh, interview session. But yeah, I there are there are elements of this in, in the NFL and in college football. Certainly, it's just you don't see the results change after the fact very often, except for Michigan football. They should have to vacate all of their wins from the last three years. Yeah, that's we could pick up that conversation in a different format, <laughs> Jessica. That's that's absurd, and I disagree with it deeply. Um, but I I think that that fixing the FIA is not real possible because no, the FIA I don't think so. the FIA will just continue to make it up as they go. That's that's what they do. That's the source of their importance is an assumption of authority. That's it. An assumption of authority. And without that, they evaporate and just become this like pass through for checks that um, come from the sports television contracts. That's that's really it. Um, on that, by the way, on that note, um, I wanted to say that this race and and this season, it, more fun than I think it had or than it has had a right to be, and that is building towards an event that I think. Uh, in Vegas will be extremely fun, even if it's definitely not going to be a great race because uh, Max is going to win because that's what's going to happen in every race this year, barring some sort of disaster. But I'm still, I'm still excited and I'm still interested enough, especially because we have driver silly season coming up. Ooh. It's going to be, it's Hell going yeah. to be a turbulent transfer window, if you will, for drivers. So in case the on track product isn't as interesting as you want it to be then let me introduce you to bullshit season bullshit season's coming up and bullshit season is going to be primo this year absolutely i agree with you like there have certainly been some races that have been way more of a snooze than others i did not think this was one of them this one was very fun no. um at the end of it i was thinking how demoralizing it would be to see <laughs> 
I, I really any of these races, the Max Verstappen fireworks go off when he crosses the finish line and you're still like a minute behind him <laughs> driving around the track. I thought of that especially this weekend for some reason. Um, even though it was a much closer race than usual, but no, I'm with you. It, it's been it's been a really fun season. There's only four races left, right? We go to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And then Vegas and Abu Dhabi and Brazil. And Brazil's after Mexico. I think I said them out of order. Yeah, but which, which, by the way, extremely fun environments coming up. Yeah, these are some of the four. best. I mean, not Vegas, but these, like the next two, I think, are some of my favorite tracks. Like the Austin, Mexico, Brazil stretch are, is great. And I wish it were honestly earlier in the season because yeah. they're often the most fun races. Uh, we've seen some, some really crazy stuff happen at them but i'm with you it has been it has been a long journey spencer but we are nearing our finish line as well that is correct one uh, you know we have to end this podcast but before we do let me just say i met patrick dempsey i am the envy oh. i am the envy of every uh gen x and millennial uh appreciator of patrick dempsey because he came on, Gary Streisky roped him in live for an interview, and Patrick Dempsey happily uh, came on and said some uh, very kind words about, among other things, my beard. So McDreamy wow. has officially complimented my beard. That means that anyone in the comments right now can just fuck right off, all right? Yeah, don't, don't care. S- s- don't, does not your opinion on the beard, it doesn't matter. Keep Spencer got a compliment me. from Skate. McDreamy. Yeah, Did you meet from, Prince Harry this weekend? He was milling milling about. He was milling about. I did not meet Hank. Because remember, if he's in Texas, I'm not going to refer to him by a title. <laughs> Wouldn't refer to him anyway because I'm American. Yes. Uh, we fought yeah, that war for a reason. That's old Hank. Oh, you know. I hope Hank had a good time. Hank Windsor. Is that his last name? Hank, I don't know what his real yeah, last yeah, name old, is. Yeah, old, that's, that's what it said on his army badge, right? Like, imagine that it said that. It said Windsor on his hank. chest so it should have just said oh, hank yeah oh oh hank windsor hope he had a good time i know it took him just as long to get out of the parking lot as everyone else he's probably the one that hated the texan food the most oh, too spicy do they have poached salmon yeah do you have a do you have a boiled egg <laughs> soft boiled bye y'all no pepper just salt